Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction titled A Missing Branch by today's guest fanfiction writer, Liz Bay. The sky went black. The blackness was absolute. There was no light. There was only buffeting winds, blowing Shu Yang around like a leaf in a storm. Beyond the howling and wailing of the wind, there was also a voice. Not the friendly tones he'd hoped for, but angry, sorrowful. Leave me alone. Let me be. But Shu Yang persisted. He begged. He chased. He fought the wind. And finally, finally he grasped something. At first he clenched his fists, but then he tried to be gentler, to make his fingers a cage for the small, fluttering thing. Come back, come back, come to me, he persisted, and a wave of pure energy slammed down on them both. It was pure force and sound, but only that. There was nothing else because he couldn't see. He couldn't see anything at all. It took hours, it took centuries, it took heartbeats. Xu Yong was never sure afterwards how long he lay on the ground in front of the coffin home before he realized that he was back in the mortal world, no longer in the spirit realm where he'd put Xiao Xing Qin's spiritual cognition. The only reason he knew was because he felt the dirt under his fingers, the sharp rock digging into his shoulder blades, the feeling of the sun on his face. He couldn't see anything, though. In fact, his eyes wouldn't even open. The sounds around him were strange, Unusual. He could hear young voices, raised in angry protest, as well as another. There was a strangely familiar voice, repeating the same words, over and over. Where am I? And what's happening? It was a very familiar voice, but Xu Yang couldn't place it. It didn't sound like Xiao Xing Chen at all. Only when he heard someone, he was pretty sure it was Wei Wushan snarl. Shu Yang, what have you done, you little bastard? Did he start to suspect? Because Shu Yang couldn't see. He couldn't see anything. His eyes were sealed shut. He felt his face. There was a blindfold around it. He felt his clothes. There were floaty long sleeves he had never worn in his life. And Wei Wushan's words didn't sound like they were aimed in his direction. As Shu Yang started giggling uncontrollably, Laughing until his face ached and his ribs hurt, he reflected that this was the best joke of all, and it was on him. He was in Xiaoxing Chen's body. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Today's guest fanfiction writer is Liz Bay. She's been a member of AO3 since 2010 and has 14 fanfiction works posted for fandoms like The Arrow... The MCU, Song of Fire and Ice, Immortals, Criminal Minds, and of course, The Untamed. 
She loves to read and has recently started learning Mandarin Chinese. Hell yes. She also recently tried her hand at online gaming, which is super fun, and enjoys the cozy games genre. Lisbeth also has Podfict, several of her own stories, which is super cool, including her longest fic, Dragon of the North. Lisbeth, welcome to Fanfic Maverick. How are you doing? Hi, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine today. It's okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was. I love talking. I would love to talk more about my fic. And so I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. Great. Well, let's dive right in here. The first thing that I always start with, of course, is people's introduction to fan fiction, because I think we all have a history of how we discovered it for the first time. And I think it's super fun to hear everybody's, you know, first time stories. So how did that happen for you? And what did it feel like? Okay, so basically, we're talking about the late 1990s, you know, and I was online because uh, we just all had the internet and it might have been 98 or, or late 97. And um, before, I mean, we had the internet, but it was all dial-up modems. I don't know if you know what they are, but um, uh, it's all very basic. But um, I discovered stories about these characters. I think I started reading Buffy the Vampire Slayer fanfic before I even watched the show. <laughs> I just found these stories and I saw the pictures of the cast of the characters and I said, this is interesting. Who are these people? Then I started watching Buffy and um, I really got into the story. In fact, it's it's really on the top 10 of my favorite TV shows of all time. I read, I didn't write anything. Then I discovered Slash fan fiction. And I really, really got into it. X-Files slash with Mulder and this character called Krychek. I don't know if you've oh, heard of him. Oh, you liked that too? That was my favorite pairing in X-Files of all time. I read so much Mulder Krychek. It's unbelievable. Yes, yes, yes. I read it all. <laughs> I read all of it. And then I, I even, I got into some, some very niche um, fandoms like from this show called Due South, which was based on, it was American-Canadian sort of show. And then uh, I even ordered some um, actual fanzines, they were called, they were printed out. I don't know if they even still exist, but I got them by mail order. I mean, I only started writing slash fanfic uh, a decade after I, I started reading it. So basically... I started out with some RPF, but then I, I deleted that. Then I really started with this the story, which is based on a, a movie which came out called Immortals, very loosely based, basically. It was a Greek god's weird movie, and I liked one of the actors, Joseph Morgan, who's also in um, Vampire Diaries and the spin-off. And um, I just made something up based on Greek mythology, kind of. I tried to make it more... I, I have this thing, when I write something, I need to really research the reality, not just the fictional representation. Like when I'm writing, when I wrote Game of Thrones, I went deep into the, into the lore and, and the world which uh, George Martin built, you know. I was looking up maps 
And how long will it take to ride from, I don't know, Winterfell to, to, or from one end of the wall to the other? You know, how long will it take you? <laughs> I, I didn't, I hated all the commentary online with you about Littlefinger's jetpack. I didn't want that to happen to my fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, God, that's so funny. That's yeah. so funny. Which is so interesting that you say that because when I was reading your fic that we're going to be talking about today, I felt like you did a lot of focusing on details. I could tell, right, that you were like super detail oriented. And that intrigued me, you know, because I've seen fics do lots of different things with that. Some are more hand wavy with their details and they're just like, ah, whatever. And that's totally fine. I don't mind that. But then you come across the fix where you can tell that the author put a lot of like research into what they were talking about and they wanted things to be as accurate as possible. And I kind of got that feeling from your fix. So I think that's interesting. I'm obsessed with details. With my, um, with my MCU uh, Bucky Steve fig, I was like, um, I was looking up where um, Wakanda could possibly be. You know, <laughs> what right. the borders would be like. I, I know <laughs> some people would say, are you mad? But that's just me. You know, I need to, I need to have it be realistic as, as far as it can be, you know. Right. And that sounds fun for you. You know, a lot of times writers who are more detail oriented just have a lot of fun researching it and making sure that it's accurate in the story. And that just feels good to them. And I love that. I think that's so cool. So I love your story about how you uh, discovered fan fiction, because it sounds like we discovered fan fiction at about the same time. My discovery was also in the late 90s. So I totally remember dial up internet and all that. I also love that you mentioned so many fandoms that were so pivotal to that time frame. You saw Buffy fan fiction everywhere that was all over the place. It was, you know, and then X-Files obviously was huge. And then I remember Due South. I never ever watched Due South, never saw it, but I read a lot of Due South fan fiction because it was everywhere. Yes, it was. It was really everywhere. Yes. To this day, I don't even know what those characters are supposed to look like, but <laughs> I sure do remember a lot of the slash fic that I read for Due South. And I feel like there was also a lot of, um. do you remember Man from Uncle? Yes. I feel like yes, Man from yeah. Uncle fan fiction was everywhere too. I don't know why, but yeah. Well, it's anywhere you can have um, slash fanfic where you have two guys who have a great relationship and it looks like it could be close and there's subtext and everything like that. So, uh, I mean, on one hand, it's pretty shallow. I, I I don't mind. I am very shallow as I'm when we talk about the Chinese stuff, super shallow. But also they have a relationship, you know, and um, while while everyone uh, tries to say it's male friendships, like in the Victorian days, but uh, nowadays we see subtext there as well. So yeah, that's kind of what we do, right? As fan fiction readers and writers, that's just kind of our our specialty, let's say. And I have no problem with that. That's super <laughs> fun. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming because of the era that you discovered fan fiction, I'm assuming that you probably were reading fan fiction on personal shrine sites and maybe some of those old prototype archives. Those, that uh, it was mainly the archives. I mean, sometimes I would find a live journal, you know, I was obsessed with the live journal. And, and at one point it started having real problems. I got really depressed because I like had the internet because 
I had a live journal account and everything. And then when it was sold to whoever it was sold to, and then it all went downhill. But yes, in the fandom I was in, the, the RPF one, which I'm not anymore, there was Astalat, who is Naomi Novik. And uh, that was when she they started the archive, the OTW, and then the archive of our own. So I like I like joined when she was starting it, you know, she and, and whoever the others, I remember her basically. Because before that, everyone had their own archive. Each fandom had different archives. There was the New South one, which was huge. And even the, there was one fandom, I don't know if you ever followed it, it was called The Sentinel. Yes, that was a big one for me. It was enormous, enormous. 852 Prospect, which yes, incidentally, yes, yes. Astolat is the one who programmed that. So interesting how it intersects that way. I was huge into The Sentinel, so. And that was one where I barely watched an episode because where I am, I mean, at the time, downloads weren't uh, that great. And um, where I am, I don't think The Sentinel was ever on TV. Dusal, no, not even Dusal. X-Files, yes, because X-Files was so big. It was everywhere. And Buffy. But basically, I never, I don't think I've watched an entire episode of, the Sentinel. I just read all the stories that I could get my hands on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. I read years worth of, uh, you know, Sentinel fan fiction when I was in my early 20s. And it wasn't until very recently, like maybe last year, that I finally went to YouTube and discovered that somebody, some hero, uploaded all of the episodes of The Sentinel to YouTube. So you can see them now on YouTube for free. But that was the first time in my whole life that I actually watched The Sentinel. Because you're right, if you didn't have cable or something, you couldn't watch The Sentinel. You know, so I had never seen it. I just read the fan fiction and was like enthralled by these characters. But but yeah, I think a lot of us sometimes were were like that at the time. We just, you know, Sentinel was everywhere. But anyway, anyway, I could go down that rabbit hole for a million years. But um, I want to hear about when you think about fan fiction in general as a general concept. What is your absolute favorite thing about fan fiction? And then why do you write it personally, like on a personal level? All right. So basically, uh, my favorite thing about fan fiction is that you write what you want to see in canon or what you'd like to see in canon in a perfect world. You know, when I'm reading, I'm different to when I'm writing. I read anything, really. I've read even... Um, you, you know that show, it stopped now, Mythbusters, right? Uh-huh, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I even read, it is like, uh, it's it's really good, it's really well written. It's a post-apocalyptic with two of the characters, and they're like the only ones left. And it's so good, it was a Yuletide uh, um, writing on AO3. And even though I, I don't watch Mythbusters, maybe I've seen a bit on, on YouTube, but whatever. But because if it's well written, I'm going to read it. I don't really care about the fandom. When I'm writing it, I'm writing what I want to see in canon. Basically, my some of my fics are born out of disappointment, okay? Because canon developments, you know, the showrunners, they want to have control over everything, even people's reaction. Sometimes they don't like it that women love their stuff, you know, and want to put their own their own uh, interpretation of things. I've always believed that there's this um, a literary critic called Roland Barthes, 
um, who came up with the idea of the death of the author, basically, that we don't anymore interpret things using the author's life. But I also like to the idea of, of reader interpretation being more important than the canon itself. So when something happens like in Endgame, with fans of Steve and Bucky, um, Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes feel that Steve's character was assassinated in Endgame. And so we try and fix it. But even so, I've kind of lost my spark. Uh, I wrote two stories. and But basically, it is often what I want to see. And I don't find it anywhere. And, well, I guess I have to write it myself. That wasn't really with the ante. That's not a uh, missing branch. Didn't come out of that. But we'll get to that later, I guess. That's in general. In general, I think I don't like where this is headed or where this has headed. As in Game of Thrones, for example, we have a final episode. Yes, that was such a prime example. Oh, my God. We hate this collectively as an entire fandom. And this must be corrected immediately. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, I said that it took me ages to write that story because in the middle of it, I got sick. And um, and then uh, for a while, I wasn't interested in anything to do with writing. I just wanted to feel a bit sorry for myself. So, And then, so uh, 2017, things were kind of, uh, I mean, I was ill and things were still okay. But I, halfway through writing or in the first few chapters, I had that interruption. So if I had finished it then, <laughs> it might have been different. Because then once I was writing the ending, sort of not being the same, obviously, as as the ending we got, it was hard. Because all of a sudden, Jon Snow is my protagonist in that story. I didn't like him anymore, you know? He became this one-note character. Nothing that was about him meant anything anymore. The, the, The Targaryen background meant nothing, you know? So... All the symbolism, what symbolism? You know, it was just, <laughs> I don't know, therefore nothing. So it was hard to finish it, but um, I did. I did. It took me ages, but I did. I'm quite proud of it, you know. You should be, yes. It's long. For me, it's long. I find it really hard to write. It's not an easy process at all. I envy those people who can just, you know, produce chapters and chapters and chapters. I'm like struggling. Oh, you know, I relate to that so hard. I'm the same way. I love to write, but I'm such a slow, slow writer. And so, um, yes, I am so impressed with the people that can just pump out, you know, these amazing chapters in a couple of hours. And I'm like, I could never do that. But that's the beauty of writing, I think, is that we're all different. And we all bring different things to the table, different talents and different focuses and things like that. And even though we all approach writing a little bit differently, you know, it's all still valid. It's okay that we're slow and others are fast. It's okay they're fast and we're slow. It's all good. I love what you said about what you love about fan fiction, because I think for you, it sounds like you really enjoy writing the wrongs in canon, which, you know, there are plenty. I have so many things I agree with you on. Endgame, Bucky and Steve, I have a thousand things to say about that. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones, obviously. There's so many things to yes. say about that. Oh my God. So yes, I completely share your points there. 
when you contacted me about the missing branch fic that we're going to be talking about today, you introduced it with your own personal journey with online Chinese web novel fandoms and how that kind of relates to the untamed and I kind of how it led to, um, you know, you learning Mandarin Chinese and all of that. So I was hoping that you could kind of take us through that journey just a little bit to introduce us here to this fic that we're going to be talking about. So it's kind of the other way around. See, in uh, um, before, it was late 2019, all I knew about me- Chinese history or Chinese media was The Last Emperor, which everyone's seen, uh, you know, the Bernardo Bertolucci um, movie, and uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and obviously Kung Fu Panda, but that is really a mishmash of Chinese stuff. So uh, these are both, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Chinese dynasties, but those are both Qing dynasty, which is the last one. It's where we get sometimes these visuals of of the half-shaved head and and the long um, braid, which is Qing dynasty. It's the last one. It's from about 16-something. So then I'm on Tumblr. I'm still on Tumblr, even though I'm finding it annoying lately. But um, late 2019, I'm seeing all these gift sets coming up of these characters. And like I said, I'm very shallow and they're very good looking young men with with long hair, which is my aesthetic, you know. Me too. Yes. Long hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, mm. and yeah, a moment uh, of silence for long hair on men. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then the chi- some Chinese uh, shows, they have these tribal elements, like tribes which were eventually absorbed, and their hair is even better. Um, so you have to watch. There's this one called The Long Ballad. There are some very beautiful men with great hair. So, um, yeah, so basically I'm seeing them, and they're talking about these characters, Wei Wuxian and Lang Wanji. And and I'm thinking, this is Slash, right? They're taking this series and they're just in canon. They are good buddies and we're making them into, you know, they're the love of each other's lives. But I was wrong because in the original novel, they're not only, they're in love, they're deeply in love and they, they find their way to each other. Like it's described as, um, just a second, I have it here. The Untamed, an incredibly moving story of soulmates overcoming all odds, including death. And this is in the original book, which is called Mo Dao Zhu Shi. So the book is um, the name, because it's been translated recently, it's the Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation. Cultivation is, we would call it magic. It's more spiritual than magic. But that's how we can translate. You cultivate your soul kind of thing. and. This is the main character who's called Wei Wuxian. He's a young man and he like develops a form of cultivation, a form of magic, which is to do with demons and the undead. And, um, and he gets persecuted and everything. And so I was in- fascinated because I was like, wait, this is for real. This, they have a relationship. Okay, in The Untamed, it all has to be toned down because of, I'm sure you know that there is censorship um, in Chinese media. And it's an incredibly big deal, this censorship. It isn't, their shows have been uh, made and then banned immediately. (laughs) Like they make them, poor filmmakers, they're allowed to make them. 
And then like a week after it comes out, no, this is wrong. This is against socialism and, and it's gone. And um, uh, they're still on YouTube, but it's like people are sneaking around to try and see them. And um, so obviously there couldn't be one of the things which is banned. There's many things which are banned. But one of the many things are anything to do with LGBTQ themes. So they are now the best of friends. I forgot to mention this genre of book, uh, which Modao Tsushi is, is called Danmei, or very bluntly, Boy's Love. So basically, it is a whole genre of Chinese web novels, um, which are to do with male uh, romantic relationships between male characters. I just found the definition. It's typically created by and targeted towards a heterosexual female audience. So, yeah, that's Danmei. And... Uh, then I started watching The Untamed before I even read the book. And I was hooked, you know, after the first episode. They're all on YouTube. The subtitles aren't that great anywhere, really, because Chinese is so hard to translate, as you found out. You were saying a word one way and, and it was actually meaning something else. I mean, I looked up a word which uh, I wasn't sure of and I thought the translation is weird. And then there is a whole definition, a list of 10 possible things it could mean. And you don't blame these poor guys often who are doing the subtitles. They're doing it as a labor of love rather than uh, getting paid for it, you know. So, and because they're not native English speakers, they don't understand nuance and implications. Like, what was it? Oh, it was so, this was another show, because then once I get addicted, I get addicted. It's called The Princess Way Young. And one character says to another, um, what she means is we have to burn incense for, you know, the, the people who died, basically, as a sign of respect. Someone older who, who died, and we have to burn incense. What the subtitle says is we have to fumigate the elders. Oh, oh and my. it's like, <laughs> I mean, a fumigate has a very specific meaning in English. It's got nothing to do with religious spiritual respect. And it's like, but, but how would they know, you know? Well, sure, sure. You know, like you said, these folks are doing their best. <laughs> uh, yes, and a uh, fumigate, fine, there it is. Uh, we've got it. We nailed it. So anyway. Um, yeah, so basically I started watching, I watched the show. I'm not saying it's a perfect show, but the, the characters and the acting are great. The costumes are amazing. Um, it's like all their budget uh, went bare. It's also, the thing is with uh, Chinese shows, TV shows, there's a whole city, I think called Hengdian or Hongdian, I'm not sure, a whole city in China which is available as a movie set and a TV set. It's like reproductions of the Forbidden City there. It looks like the real thing. So I'm half impressed and half not impressed, because if they could use that set, I mean, they didn't build their own sets. On the other hand, some landscapes are, are beautiful. So, yeah. So anyway, it's really, you see it and you say, wow, China. <laughs> I'd really like to be able to afford to go and visit because it is it is something else. I didn't know. I mean, these are things which were new to me, you know. 
Anyway, so this novel, Modao Tsushi, it's been made into an animated version. It's um, in Chinese. Animation is called Donghua. And it's also on YouTube. And then um, it's made into... And the character, the main character, Wei Wuxian, is incredibly a big deal because... Um, you know, the 2020 Olympics, which were then postponed, but they still, they still call them the 2020 Olympics. Possibly they'd made all the, all, all the advertising already. You know, each country would have like animated characters representing the athletes of that country. So in Germany, they had these, uh, like Max and Moritz, Moritz type characters. I don't know what they have in other countries. Anyway. The characters they had, one of them was Wei Wuxian as a cartoon. Um, he is an archer because canonically he is an archer. And so he's like, and he's a jokester. At first, when I first watched it, I watched it. I thought he was a trickster type character, but uh, like Loki, for example. However, uh, Wei Wuxian is, is very kind. He's kind and he, he does, he's, the essence of altruism, basically. Yes, he plays jokes, and but they're never cruel jokes, sort of. And anyway, so he is this cheery, you know, archer, and he's one of the characters, animated characters, representing China, basically. So he's a big deal. Even the advertising they had for, for the animated version. Uh, we had ice cream, Cornetto. Sometimes it's weird, the Chinese adverts. They show the characters like actually eating a cornetto. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> We're in ancient, ancient China. And now he's eating and uh, what? And then you realize it's because um, there's no subtitles. Then you're at Ayasenad. Um, but it's like all this money being put into this show and the animated version. And then there was even uh, a really cute one with, you know, chibi type versions of the characters. Yeah, anyway, so I got into The Untamed. I eventually, there was a fan translation, which I started reading that as well. So I got into all of these sea dramas. But basically, I always keep going back to The Untamed. You have these two characters, uh, Wei Wuxian and Long Wangji. I, I could talk for hours about this, and I wouldn't even start on my fic. So <laughs> it's like... Um, I mean, once you get into it, at first you're like lost because every character has three names. For example, they have a name, then they have a birth name and they have a title. And there's the um, familiar name like, yes, Wei Wuxian, but uh, Lang Wangji always calls him Wei Ying, which is a way of saying young Wei. The thing is, then you say, you, uh, again, once again, you say, okay. Um, Wei, but it's not his name, it's his surname, Wei Wuxian, the surname comes first. So his name is Wuxian, or then his adopted sister calls him always Asian, because it's like an affectionate prefix to, to say Ah at the beginning of a name, like Asian, Ayang, for example, depending on the region. And it's like, it's like a rabbit hole, basically. You get there and you get lost. But my story isn't about them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Which was actually really cool for me because 
We did one prior episode on FFM for The Untamed, and those were, you know, more about the main characters, which worked out really well because I had never been exposed to The Untamed before. It was my first time watching it. I never got through it all the way through because there's just so many episodes. So I'm still plugging away on that. But yeah, I, I was more familiar, I think, with the main characters and everything. So it was actually really cool getting to read your fic. Your untamed fic is called A Missing Branch. And it is not about the two main characters. It is about these other characters, which I am really glad that you also included the background story in that other, um, you know, you had posted something, I think, to um, fanfiction.net that was kind of a primer, gives some uh, somewhat of a background of what's going on with these side characters that are in your story. And that was super helpful because I was just like, I'm not even sure I remember these characters no, from no, when you I was watching the show. <laughs> so having that background was really interesting to me. So yes, let's go ahead and start talking about A Missing Branch. I'm kind of curious to know like what inspired this particular fic for you. And then what themes were you trying to explore here with this story? So I was, I've always been intrigued by the bad boys. You know, that was Krychek, that was Spike. And um, I've even watched, I've watched Hannibal as well. I mean, I'm not that much into Hannibal or Will Graham, or, but, but I, I enjoyed the show and I find these characters interesting. And so there was uh, Shui Yang. So if you know anything about Wei Wuxian, you know that he was an orphan, right? He was living in the streets and his uncle, his, he called him his uncle. They weren't actually related. There's a fam- there's a meme about the untamed, that it's all about uncles, all about Jinling's uncles. Because in Chinese, anyone older would be the uncle and an older woman would be the aunt. So anyway, this man who was somehow, Wei Wuxian's dad was like this man's um, henchman, but not evil, if you know what I mean. You know, Um, in the story, I called him an adjutant because um, in the subtitles, they translated as, as, I think, Myrmidon, which is like ancient Sparta, come on. <laughs> but anyway, so he took him in because he was living on the streets and fighting with wild dogs for his food. Now, Shui Yang, I always saw him as the, the street kid who wasn't rescued by a kindly uncle, who was instead, you know, treated badly and um, he was even maimed by, because um, by, he'd, he'd done a small job and he expected to be rewarded and this guy uh, drove a cart over his hand um, and uh, I mean yes and that's all then he goes and kills the, the whole man's clan which uh, like I put in the fanfiction.net intro uh, cool motive still murder you know yes he had a terrible life a terrible childhood but obviously it's not like I said I love Shui Young so much I'm going to excuse all these but what can I do? I found him intriguing. And then the Yi City, what they call the Yi City story, which is of these characters, which is Shui Yang, Chao Ching Chen, and Song Lan. And um, I just felt that uh, it's not like, um, unlike with Endgame and all those things, it's not like I'm disappointed because there was only one way this story could go. However, for me, it's like this what-if way of writing fans, anything really, even science fiction. You're answering the question, what if? 
what if um, Shui Yang saw that Wei Wuxian was back? What if he decided, this is how I can get Xiao Jingchen back? And then all of the things which happen in Yi City don't happen because he does this and he doesn't realize that uh, Mo Shan Yu, who was, the guy, who was the one who got back Wei Wuxian, sacrificed himself to get Wei Wuxian back from the dead. Whereas Shui Yang is not the self-sacrificial type, but he's forced into it. And then we have a redemptive arc, but only through self-sacrifice. That's really, that's really what I think, because I wrote some notes too. Um, I just found it so tragic. I mean, the author herself, she admitted that this was a self-contained story. In fact, she then developed it further in another book um, she wrote called the, uh, what was it, Scum Villain Self-Saving System. It's about a guy who gets pulled into a computer game where he's the villain. And so he has to save himself by being good. So that's re- that was really it. The theme is redemption, basically. I always insist on happy endings. I don't like <laughs> writing stories with sad endings. That's the thing. That was my theme, redemption. I was inspired, really, by another uh, sea drama I watched called Word of Honor. I don't know if you've come across it. The thing is, it's kind of half famous and infamous. It was the last BL drama which was released because after that, the premier of China announced a crackdown on stuff. Um, And I'm using finger quotes here weak and effeminate characters in drama. And so now there are like at least four series which have been filmed, but uh, and pr- they're through production, they're through post, and um, they haven't been released and we don't think they ever will be. And there's another book which I really like. It's called, uh, the, in translation, it's called The Dumb Husky and His White Cat Shizun. And um, it's completely filmed, uh, called Immortality. And uh, But no, uh, now that there's been this crackdown, who knows? Word of Honor, I mean, it was, uh, there was this attempt to completely cancel it out of existence by literally cancelling one of the actors. People obviously love it and they watch it, but it was the last one. Anyway, there's one saying in uh, Word of Honor, which is an old Chinese idiom, which um, literally it means lay down the butcher's knife, become a Buddha on the spot. And what it means is you stop doing violence and you have a chance at redemption and rehabilitation. So that was really my idea. Uh, How do you redeem Chui Yang? Is it possible? It's only possible if he makes a sacrifice one of the ones, um, fanfics I'm going to recommend, which I really love, is one which manages to redeem Shui Yang, but only through time travel, you know, that he can go back in time before he does his worst atrocities. Because otherwise, I couldn't justify it to myself. Because, see, the, the book Shui Yang is different than the untamed Shui Yang. Untamed Shui Yang is much more sort of He's much more, because you don't have to imagine him. He's a very good-looking young man who's got a, a very uh, engaging way of acting. And it's like, uh, 
he isn't as bad because obviously there's more censorship. Like Wei Buxian, who in the book is a great character, in The Untamed, he cannot be a great character because it's another thing which is censored, you know? <laughs> so uh, they have to be even things where in the book Wei Buxian did wrong. In The Untamed, it's because he was tricked or like there's um, a main part where uh, Wen Ning, who's become like a zombie, undead, a fierce corpse, let's say, but he still has his brains. He somehow loses control and he kills someone. Now in the book, it's because uh, Wei Wuxian has lost control of him. In the, in the Untamed, it's because there was someone else controlling him. Um, in the background, the bad guy, you know, and it's like that was a way of making Wei Wuxian not responsible for this. Whereas in the book, it's okay for him to be grey, while Xu Yang in the book is 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 hundred percent more evil and nasty and really nasty piece of work. While in the Untamed, there's this bit where you you see how he he is so uh, he's been twisted by his experiences. It's kind of a bit more toned down. I wanted him to be redeemed, yes, but I don't want it to be as in, it's okay, because he he had a bad childhood, you know, boo-hoo. <laughs> yes, yes. No, and I'm so glad that you went into that, because I came away from this story knowing that 100%, like, the redemption that you, like, weaved into this story came through so strongly by the end especially after kind of knowing what the background was. So again, I'm so grateful that you gave me some background information on like what was going on with these uh, with these dudes before the story starts. And when you know that, the background, and then you go through your fan fiction and you're just like, oh, like it was so satisfying to me, right? Because I love shady characters. Like I love the gray characters, the evil characters, like all of that shit. Like I love that. And then I love how in fan fiction we often do bother, right? We take the time to give them their redemption stories because there's something so satisfying, especially when you're kind of looking at it from a big picture human nature kind of thing. It can be so easy for us in our real lives to be so cynical about things, right? And to just be like, evil people will always be evil and blah, blah, blah. Or to say that everybody's 100% evil when we know from real life experiences that that's not the case. Like people are complicated and they have lots of different sides to them and lots of different levels. And it's just so interesting to be able to kind of go through these redemption stories with these evil characters and stuff. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And I also love how in your story, and I see this in fan fiction a lot, and I really appreciate it, that a lot of times it's love that makes these characters choose a different path, choose a different way, because they love something enough to do that. And um, and I just felt like it was a beautiful, beautiful story. I also loved how funny it was. You know, you did such a great job with the dialogue, which as I was thinking back to my experience watching The Untamed, I remember thinking that it was very funny at many points, you know, like they do put humor in there. And I felt like you captured that so well in your fan fiction because there were so many parts of this where the characters are speaking to each other and the dialogue is just it's really funny or the things that they're thinking internally are just so funny so I, I wanted to tell you that that I appreciated the humor <laughs> in this fake as well because 
even though I don't know these characters very well, I just had a really great time with the humor that you put in there and everything. So that was a really, really great. You know, I kind of have a, a question for you about like the, the, the experience of writing this fic. And this is kind of a two-parter. I, I, I like to kind of combine. I'm always curious to know which part of the, the fic was your favorite to write? Because there's usually a part that's, you know, fun or better than others, right? And then there's also usually a part in a project that's a little more challenging. And I kind of like to know what those two opposites are. What was the most challenging part of writing the fic? And then what was your favorite part to write? I don't know about favorite. For me, writing is a slog. The easiest to write was the first chapter because the idea behind it that Shui Yang managed to do the same spell which brought Wei Wuxian back but made a crucial error. That was that was the inspiration. That was it. When uh, I was watching the first episode and there's someone running around, it wasn't clear who that was. No one made it clear. And I asked a bit and they said, oh, we don't know, probably Ni, ni Huai Sang, but because he was reading the story. But, um, and I thought, but what if it was Chueyang? What if it was him? And he saw what happened. So that really flowed. The whole first chapter, it like, it flowed. It was this magical moment where the words just came. And then everything afterwards was like, okay, all right. Because in the story, it's no wonder you didn't remember them because both Xiao Xingqian and Song Lan are kind of, there's not much to them. So I had to like create characters for them uh, because it's it's like they weren't really clearly delineated. Obviously not. They are a side story. So that was hard. I mean, even me by my canon that he is, um, Xiao Xingqian is asexual. That's my idea. I have no idea if she even cared, uh, if the author even cared. Um, uh, about anything because obviously her main characters are important, and then the other main, the other ones like Lan, Lan Shi Chen, and and uh, oh my god, I, I can't my, twist my tongue around them anymore. When I read them, my in my head I hear it perfectly. Then when I'm saying them myself, <laughs> it's like no, not no more. Um, yeah. So basically, it was the easiest because of that. What if? You know, what if aspect. And then everything after the beginning is challenging for me. Everything. Once I, I have a bit like um, I wrote this, uh, it was my most popular story before I wrote The Dragon in the North. Um, it's called um, All the Difference. It's Arrow Fandom. And I had this image in my head of a woman tied to a chair um in the middle of a room and that was it that was the whole thing that was the story then I started writing it but everything after the beginning is hard I have a few hundred words for two more stories they've been there for over a year I don't know it's a battle it's a battle <laughs> and sometimes I just don't feel like it you know um this is the whole COVID business some people they got really inspired while me I mean it's uh, I I never stopped working. We never um, just a few a few months of of uh, doing the work I do, but remotely. And then in in um, or once autumn twenty twenty came along, we had to go back to in person. So it's not like I had those long 
um, months of lockdown, which others had, you know. But anyway, I'm not the type who's going to be inspired and pushed. Conditions have to be right. And if they're not, then I can't write anything. I totally get that. I did not have any time either during COVID um, to do anything fun. So I get it. I get that sometimes when real life comes up and you have a lot of responsibilities in real life and stuff, it can be really hard to, I don't know, it can be really hard to get through a project, especially when you just happen to be a slower writer, which I totally get because I'm one too. That can definitely be challenging, but I, I feel like you executed this fic so well and I'm so glad that it got finished. I just wanted to say really quick, that I really did enjoy the different tropes that were a part of this. You briefly touched on the body swap trope in there, which it kind of sounds like that was partially due to canon, like a, a canon mystery, which is really interesting because that was going to be one of my questions. Was that part of canon or did you just make that up? But it sort of sounds like it was inspired by something that happened in canon. So In canon, um, basically, Wei Wixian, he in the, in the very first scene of the, of the book and, and uh, The Untamed, Wei Wixian dies. And I mean, it's not a spoiler. It's literally the first words of the book are, Wei Wixian is dead. Good. <laughs> Good riddance. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And um, then um, 16 years later, he wakes up. Now, the thing is, in the novel, he wakes up in the body of someone else, um, this Mo Shan Yu. But obviously, for TV reasons, you can't have... You've, you've said you've got this great actor, Xiao Zhan. Obviously, people want to see him as the newly reincarnated Wei Wuxian, not some other guy. Or you have some other guy because half, like 33 episodes or no, a bit less. But anyway, let's say half. Half the episodes are a fl flashback to Wei Wuxian's teenage years. So no one's going to care about the new Wei Wuxian if they've just spent 25 episodes with another Wei You know what I mean? But in actuality, there's kind of a body swap in a self-sacrificial way, in that Mo Xian Yu, because he wants revenge on his horrible family, he does this uh, crazy spell, and he brings back Wei Wuxian's soul into his own. But then he dies. His soul is then destroyed through this process. He dies and Wei Wuxian now inhabits his body. In fact, they often in the book, they often say this Mo Xian Yu is, is shorter than the old. He looks different, obviously. He's a different guy. But still pretty, obviously, he has to be. Everyone says how handsome he is. Um, but um, uh, so obviously... The way I did it was a body swap uh, to take a trope, an old trope, where they swap. But because um, um, Shui Yang messes up the spell and he doesn't realize it involves self-sacrifice, he ends up letting uh, Xiao Xinchen into his body, whereas he inhabits Xiao Xinchen, Xiao Xinchen, who is canonically at this point blind. So it's like he's, he's punishing himself. Yes. Which I thought was so interesting. You wake up in someone else's body, and now you're completely blind. But he seemed, he seemed so unbothered by that, in the sense that he was just so happy that part of the spell worked, that he got his He got what back. he wanted. He, he wanted, got what he wanted, uh, yeah. <laughs> he wanted his Dao Zhang back, and that, that's true. Yeah, once he gets what he wants, 
he's not going to make such a fuss about it, you know. So he's like, uh, he wants his sweets. His, uh, I mean, Americans say candy. So I had to, like, um, even the subtitles say candy. I would say sweets because where I live, we, we speak uh, British English mostly. Um, and even we learn and teach British English. Uh, we don't nowadays with the films, um, the media, American media, US media being more and more everywhere. Maybe some people do say candy, but I grew up saying sweets, but I had to write candy because otherwise they would say, what the hell are you talking about? So anyway, <laughs> Shuri Yang has his candy, he has his, his Daojang, and he is, he is I mean, I, I um, wrote him as supremely unbothered by this. Um, yes, because he got what he wanted, really, which is all he wanted. He wanted shouting Chen back. Exactly. And once he got that, he just seemed pretty content, you know, and then you kind of build it out to the last arc of the story. And it was just, it was great. I won't spoil it for anybody, but it was so, so great. <laughs> I wonder if you thought it was total crack <laughs> those last two chapters. No, no. I mean, like, you know, 26 years of reading fan fiction, like nothing surprises me anymore. And I was just like, oh, this is so perfect, you know, especially to see them all together, you know, at the end. And it was just this like beautiful moment of, ah, all is right with the world right now. Like, yeah, this is yeah, exactly yeah. what you would want to happen. So no, it was perfect. It was a perfect ending. I am wondering if there is one question you wish somebody would ask you about your writing or your project, what would that thing be? And then how would you answer that? To be honest, at this point, I mean, my I wrote down some notes to answer these questions, but it's like, it's a bit blank. I welcome any and all questions about my fic because no one asks me anything about anything. I can't in real life, I can't really discuss it because no one knows the fandoms or they don't care about fanfic at all. So anyone wants to ask me anything, they're always welcome. Although uh, one question I'd like to, hey, can I pot fic your fic? <laughs> Or, hey, can I draw art for your fake? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Oh, so that's always welcome. Always welcome with Liz Bay. You can always ask her if you want to pod fic her stuff or do fan art. That is always fun, right? When people want to do works based off of yours, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even even discussing it, it's in, I love it, you know, I, I love to discuss because I, I don't write in a vacuum. Ultimately, I, yes, I write for myself, but if I didn't want people to read it, I wouldn't put it on AO3, you know, I, I just keep it for myself. So Exactly. Well, it sounds like people can find you on Tumblr then if they want to submit asks and things like that. Yes, so yes. keep that in mind, everybody. When we end off here, we always end off by you know, leaving a few minutes at the end to shout out any other fan fiction writers that you want to talk about real quick. So I just wanted to leave the floor open here for a few minutes if there are any other fan fiction writers you wanted to mention real quick. Yeah, um, so I have, um, and then I, I could send you the links by email. There's this one on um, archive on AO3. She's called Arieste. That's A-R-I-A-S-T-E. She writes a lot of untamed stuff. There she's got one which is well known in the fandom. It's called a civil campaign, which is sort of a play on a civil campaign. I think uh, the McMaster Bujold book, 
but it's about Jin Ling, who's um, he is um, Wei Wuxian's nephew. He finds out if you watch the f- second episode, um, he is Jiang Cheng's nephew, but he's part of the second generation because that's why I love the Untamed so much. You also have the second generation of cultivators, and they're like fixing everything their parents or mixed up, messed up, you know? So they're reconciling. Anyway, then there's someone I just found out. She's called Idrilka, but I can send you the link. Um, She's got some good. There's my favorite Chui Young story. It's called Make Your Mama Sad Type, which is obviously from Bad Guy, uh, my Billie Eilish. There are quite a few fan vids of Shui Young to Bad Guy, and they're all good. Anyway, and it's the author's called Last Wing Thing. It's also really, this is more of a, I mean, there's a lot of smart in it. So if that's your kind of thing, you'll enjoy it. Mm-mm-mm. Right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it used to be up mine lately. I've been, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've lost my, I think I've lost the touch for it. So basically it's the fixed fake I'd mentioned in the beginning where she young, finds a chance to go back in time. And at first he just wants Shaoxing Chen, as he always does. But then he, he kind of develops a relationship with Song Lan as well. So it's like a, a trio um, of, um, but um, it's really good. It's really fun. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for those shout outs. And yes, if you could send me the links to those, we can get those links up on the show notes and everything so that people can check those out. But Liz Bay, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and for being here. Thanks so much. It was really fun. Oh, wonderful. Well, check out her stories on AO3, folks, and give her some love. And of course, thank you for bearing with me today. I have a little bit of a cold, so I apologize. (laughs) Things sounded a little crazy and weird on my side today, but uh, you can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at Fanfic Maverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Mm-hmm.